My friends, this is an era of great heroes and dangerous villains. The fate of the world is within our hands. Whether you are part of the Avengers or the Justice League, or just doing whatever you can to help those around you, I ask you to join our quest and become one with the voices from Krypton. Oh, and while you're here, check out the podcast. It's good. Really. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Voices from Krypton, the podcast where we speak superhero. And we also happen to be pretty fluent in sci-fi and action. Stand-up comic turned voice actor Roger Craig Smith has enjoyed great success over the years by tapping into legacy characters that ensure he will remain a permanent part of pop culture history. Not that that comes into play when he's choosing a particular gig. It can't. He's too focused on the job at hand, while knowing at the back of his mind is the fear that people will, as he puts it, discover he doesn't know what he's doing. Personally, we think that he does. Through various animated projects and video games, he's portrayed Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. The same holds true for Batman, and the decade he spent voicing Sonic the Hedgehog in different mediums, including the Wreck-It Ralph films and Sonic Boom TV series. And as though that isn't enough, he's all over the video game world, voicing Chris Redfield in the Resident Evil and Marvel vs. Capcom series, and Ezio Auditor, whose name I'm probably mangling, in Assassin's Creed. In the conclusion of our two-part conversation with Roger, he goes into detail on the experiences of voicing these characters, what goes into the collaborative nature of their creation, interacting with the fans, and much more. The three characters that I really wanted to talk to you about today were, were Sonic was the first one. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious, first of all, what your feelings about that hedgehog is and what what sort of... It, you know, sort of story is there behind the fact that you voiced him in different mediums and that sort of thing is one more challenging than the other. I mean, but- you know, it's each. So to me, it's just it's just an icon. I mean, there's nothing between Mario and Sonic. There's just there's I can't think of two more sort of like worldwide, you know, uh, sort of recognizable characters that a lot of people any age range, you know, like I always laugh and say, I'm only as good or as legitimate um, if somebody finds out what I do for a living as anything they've ever heard of. Right. So people will say like, you know, you know, what do you do? Like, uh, you know, my daughter said that you were this and, you know, I don't know what that is. And you go, yeah, yeah, I, I, I you know, I voiced this character. Oh, okay. And that's on TV. You know, so you go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And then you would start to say, you know, they go, anything I would have heard of, which I always laugh and go like, I don't know. I don't know your brain. <laughs> Let's go through uh, your list. What have you yeah, heard exactly. of in your life? Yeah. <laughs> and so I try to toss out like a couple of like demographic things that would, it was sort of like, you know, you'd say, well, I voiced a, you know, Batman in 2013 on a video game and recently in a couple of little films and things like that. And they're like, no, no. Uh, it, how about say yes to the dress? And people go, oh yeah, yeah. I love that. Show. <laughs> I was the narrator. And they go, oh wow. You know, then. Then you're legit. Then they know that. Oh my goodness! You Were you do really? This. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know. My and, wife uh, loves that show. Anyway. Oh there you go. Yeah. So I narrated that. I think I don't remember how many seasons. It was probably 14, 15, 16, 17 seasons, something like that. And all the different versions of the show, like say as the dress Atlanta and Big Bliss and all these different oh, wow. things. Um, but yeah, so did that. Narrated a bunch of shows on DIY Network for years. We did. I mean, literally over a thousand episodes of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, you you start. Uh, you start realizing very quickly that it's like, okay, uh, people only believe that that you're not that you're you know paying the bills by this if they've heard you on something. But I can almost always say Sonic the Hedgehog, and the person can be in their seventies and you go, oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 the little the little the little um, squirrel, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're the, <laughs> the yeah, squirrel named Hedgehog, right? Exactly. Yeah, the squirrel, you know, and you're like, yeah, the Hedgehog, and yeah. you're like, oh yeah, and uh, and so to be a part of something like that is just incredible, and it's like I like. 
you know, I like being a part of uh, the family friendly stuff. Um, I've always thought that's kind of a cool thing because to me that stuff it has legs. Yeah, it lasts a really long time. I mean, there, there's you know, it's neat to be a part of something that's really cool and sometimes ultra violent, but you know, that stuff doesn't stick around as long and isn't enjoyed by as many people because it tends to not be so family friendly. So it's like you got to hit those demographics right at the prime time when they're of an age to where they can, you know, kind of consume that kind of uh, right. material. And with something like Sonic or being in a Disney film like Planes or that kind of thing, it's like these are characters that are that are very much uh, geared towards families and accessible to families. And I think that's that's a cool thing to be a part of. So to to have all, all of a sudden found myself voicing Sonic and uh, navigating that, uh, th- you know, that that whole universe was uh, was really, really cool. Um, and the fan base is just rabid. They're they're just a really passionate fan base. Yeah. Uh, and to to voice Sonic in one version of something to another is just, you know, video games tend to be taxing on the voice because there's just so much work and it's just a constant four hour session. Um, animation was a ton of fun. We had so much fun on Sonic Boom. Getting to be a part of, you know, some cameos in both Wreck-It Ralph films was just like a dream come true. I love working for Disney. Um, and even then that was a little bit different because they wanted more of like the classic sort of what they would consider to be like the video game version of Sonic. So it was maybe a little more squeaky or, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but, but, you know, it, uh, to me, it's just what an honor to be, you know, to have somebody have an organization say like, we're going to give you as far as the English speaking version of this character, we're going to give you this, this opportunity and, and to understand too, that it's like, okay, I take it seriously. I try to think of the fact that when I'm engaging with people online, you know, I don't know if somebody might be on the spectrum. I don't know if somebody might be a nine-year-old. I don't know if somebody's got other, you know, personality issues and things like that. Uh, or so I try to be as apolitical as possible. I try to be. Uh, I don't swear on my uh, my social media feeds. I try to just commit some dad jokes every now and then and share stuff that I'm passionate about. Right. You know, in my life, uh, because I always just found myself going like, "Dude, you were Sonic the Hedgehog." It's like, you know, and people. I had to put out a tweet. I think a year ago or so or two years ago to, to remind people, it's like, I'm not Sonic. Like I am a human being. I am a, you know, <laughs> right, a of fallible, course. imperfect human being who just happens to voice this character. But I mean, there were people who would refuse to refer to me as anything other than that. And if I did something, they would say like, you know, Sonic would never do that. Oh, you know, geez. Right. Fine. But, but Roger, the 43 year old would. Right. <laughs> and yeah. does. Right. You know, it's like, um, so stuff like that. But I, I, you know, it was never, lost on me that it's like, hey, man, you represent something much, much bigger than yourself by yeah. getting to just be a voice actor in, on, a, on any given character. So I've always tried to to treat it that way because I do think it's an honor. It's like, you know, getting to voice Captain America as an American, it's like, holy cow, that's that's just insane. And, and Batman, when so many other actors have been in that role and done incredible jobs, it's like you get to add your name to that list of people who have had the privilege of voicing these iconic characters in pop culture it's just incredible absolutely you know and in vo- and in finding the sonic voice i mean was it a challenge did you i mean did they have to coach you on what to how to sound or why would you develop that yourself i mean how did that work i always tell people like every single voice i've ever done is is a collaborative effort i i mean i might have the pipes behind it um and you you're going to inherently hear like elements that vocal fingerprint where you go oh that's roger he's doing that voice right um but absolutely, you know, our our director on this was Jack Fletcher, who is a phenomenal director, is an actor's director, love the guy. He, you know, from the get-go at the audition was basically tweaking and, and molding the performance. And he's, you know, got the ear of the client. And so the client is saying, this is what we're going, going to do with the brand now. This is what we're thinking of doing with this character. We'd like to, 
you know, have him pitch it up, pitch it down, go squeakier, go not so squeaky, add some texture to the voice. Like we play around. We did the same thing with Batman for Arkham Origins. It was, I think the first week of sessions, we really were just trying to find a vocal print that we felt like would be, okay, this makes sense. This would, this would match what Kevin Conroy had established as, you know, as, as this version of Batman from the games. And since this is an origin story, it's got to be different but it's got to be something that would make sense that it would evolve into what kevin you know established for that that role uh so we worked with it you know uh, as a group i mean we you know you've got working with your director and the director is listening to the client and um so it's it always goes that way i mean there's just there's never been a gig that i walked in i mean people for incidental characters and things like that they'll just ask you like yeah throw throw something at us and that's the part that i love i love being a utility guy like I did for regular show, just do, doing all those voices on that animated series was such a blast because they were just like, yeah, we need like this taco vendor guy. And this goes back to when I was in like musical theater. I didn't want to be, I mean, I was a short guy, so it was never really going to go my way anyway, but I didn't want to be like leading man stuff because you'd grab the, the sort of synopsis of the play and the character description and it would be like, you know, Lil Abner. Lil Abner is this, 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 and he has these traits and blah, 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 and he always behaves this way. And then it was like, you know, here's Pappy Oakum. Pappy Oakum is little Abner's grandpa. And you were like, okay, that's who I want to do because I can take that and spin it into whatever I want it to be. Right. And I might take it and do something different that makes it suddenly funny and I'm stealing that scene. You know, it's like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so being a utility guy, I love getting to like toss out different characters. But when you're doing like a legacy character or when you're doing something that that's a uh, that's a, one of the leads in a show – Nine times out of ten, you're working real closely with the creators and the writers and the people that, you know, it's their collaborative vision that you're helping to execute. So it's never I walk in and go, here's the voice I'm doing for Sonic, you know, and you'll just take it because I'm this brilliant thespian. It's right. like, no, <laughs> I, you know, you listen right. and you try to be this, you know, vocally malleable, you know, uh, chunk of clay that they can kind of shape into something so that you... You know, I, I'm not trying to do it as like a, hey, you know, I didn't I didn't pick that line or I didn't read it that way. I gave him three takes. You know, I'm not trying to, like, wash my hands of right. responsibility that I have for delivering a performance. But we always, you know, it's always working together. So that was definitely that version of Sonic was definitely always worked with uh, and changed throughout the years, for sure, because it changes for each performance. Sonic Boom is a very different Sonic than what's on Sonic Colors. You know, it's like uh, all these different games. Oh, so, it is. That's, that's why I was going to ask if the ca- if yeah, character's sure. voice changes over the different things, the different projects. Sort of yeah. Because I think with Sonic Boom, it was more of like a comedic animated series thing, so it was meant to be kind of silly and funny, so we were playing around with a lot of, you know, it was a little more laid back. We kind of, I think we put them in a little lower register than what we would do with some of the other video game stuff where it's a little more intense and it's a little more big. Right. And you can't have an entire animated series of just constant bigness. So, yeah, we, we he was a little more relaxed and kind of snarky. He was a little more his sarcastic self uh, in that regard. Um, and then, you know, it just changes from each project because some projects are more dramatic, some are more action-based, some are more comedic, some are more, you know, just, uh, you know, gosh, we did the voice for Alton Towers, like an amusement park out in the U.K. And, you know, we had to speak very slowly because it was announcements that we're talking about where to line up for the ride sure. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know... Yeah, little things like that. Every project is is different, and he, even Batman, you know, from uh, Batman Ninja to Superman Red Sun, you know, obviously Superman Red Sun, Batman's got a, a Russian, Russian accent. accent. <laughs> yeah, and he was a bad Batman. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bad bad man. Um, depending upon you know where you're, you know, where, where how you how you how you perceive what it was that he was doing as a vigilante, but um, yeah, I mean every project's different like that. You know, it's like I I, I approach every single time i do you know i've been doing retail work for ram trucks for a decade and it's like 
you know, I, we still kind of change the voice every now and then. It'll be like, all right, for this one, I think we want to kind of soften it up or, you know, or, or make it a little more retail and, right. you know, that kind of thing. A character like Captain America, uh, which I know you said you were, you know, very happy to, to voice, he sounds like somebody who would, the performance, I mean, obviously the script changes, but the, the vocal performance, I would imagine, stays pretty locked in. I mean, Captain America is Captain America, or am I wrong in that assumption? So anytime you're talking about a legacy character and I, you know, uh, talked about this with like Troy Baker back in 2013 when we were saying, look, there's, you know, you have to be real careful. And and same thing with Sonic the Hedgehog. You have to be careful. They, there's this weird sort of like fuzzy kind of like uh, blurry sort of, you know, box that these characters sort of live within. And you can definitely kind of tweak and, and sort of, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, mold the performance in a way that might kind of push against those boundaries. But for the most part, you if you go too far outside of that box, people start going, that's not Captain America. No, that's not Sonic the Hedgehog. Or that's not what Batman would do. Or right. you know, that doesn't make sense. And so, you know, it, like Captain America to me was uh, when we first started on Avengers Assemble, we were trying to give a little bit more of like a grounded performance. Um, and so what was happening is I was sounding a little too laid back with my initial performance. And so our director Colette Sunderman um, said, we're going to push you to a little more fists on hips, a little more like barrel chested boy scoutish kind of, uh, uh, kind of delivery. Uh, that whole Superman kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Just a little Superman. more like, yeah. yeah, to me, Captain America speaks clearly and you know, he's, he's articulate when he speaks, he's not, you know, kind of just laid back and doing something, you know, too cool. Um, and so it, that, to me, it was like, OK, this is where this is where Captain America lives. You know, it's like it's he speaks with with diligence. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, and so, you know, from there, it's like, yeah, I, I think you do. You sort of establish something and kind of go the character lives there because because otherwise, you know, if, if you hear him taking a drag off a cigarette in the background or something like that, it's like, that's not my Captain America. You know, Captain like, America you know, doesn't smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kids, let me tell you something, you know, it's like. Buy war bonds. It's like no, that's not Captain America. Right. So, I think it. I think it works that way, and it's the same thing with Batman. You know, it's like, you know, we we played around with Batman being a little more unhinged and a little more having to be, you know, a, a young man learning some stuff um, in Origins, but we still couldn't step so far out that he'd sound bratty or whiny or you know or. Right. You know, it's like, no, he had to be Batman. Batman doesn't whine right. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, and, and when you think about it, like there's there's a lot about it. It's like you think of like, you know, uh, Adam West's Batman is is interesting. You know, it's like, but he's still Batman. You go, no, that's Batman. That's that's a version of Batman. I, I'll buy it. You know, yeah. it's, it's more comic bookish. But it's like even then he was the most grounded, you know, character in the entire series. And right. so it's like I think Batman should always be kind of an anchor, should be kind of grounded it should be brooding it should be kind of dark and mysterious and all those things and so you know yeah you, know, you, you got to have it live somewhere and i think captain america is the same thing you know it's like yeah it, it wouldn't it, it just wouldn't sound right if you know uh, avengers assemble <laughs> like, nope. no no you know what i don't think you'd have the power no you're right nope exactly. <laughs> i'm gonna throw my shield now <laughs> please don't not if you're gonna yeah, speak exactly. doing it <laughs> there you go you're red right. skull how dare you yeah, doesn't quite have the same weight. Doesn't quite, doesn't quite work it, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, Batman, you said, of course, you started off in Origins. You you did that sort of younger thing that would lead to Kevin Conroy's uh, uh, take on Batman to some degree. But there were other projects, of course, that were more modern, I guess. Like there was a ser- I know there were a series of video films. Um, now I'm going to lose the title. Uh, with the well, Mecha- Batman Unlimited? Yeah, there you go. Thank you so much for saving my yeah, life. Yeah, that was uh, 
that was like a toy line that was like for kids and all that right. kind of stuff. And that was that was definitely that version of Batman was definitely much more just straightforward. You know, he was yeah. I mean, he was Batman. Yeah. And it, so he was like right there because I mean, for little kids, I, I don't think the complexity of like, you know, a, a an origin story, a coming of age kind of a you know story that origins was would have made much sense. Um and so we, you know, and that was where we were playing. Like, you know, the, the Batman in Origins was a little more youthful mm-hmm. and he was pushing back and he was a little more hotheaded. Um, and that to me would be the go against type in a lot of like the comic book sense for especially for little kids too. the, the unlimited series of, of DVDs was meant to be, you know, uh, geared at a younger audience. So you had to be kind of aware of that. Right. Whereas, you know, the, the Batman that we did for Superman Red Sun was a much darker Batman. And the funny, the voice you just did, just now for Batman Unlimited, I guess you just you just uh, voiced, uh, sounded a lot like the Kevin Conroy Batman. It's interesting. I think that's what we all kind of, well, okay, that's just pure luck of having pipes that, I guess, go there. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, um, but, you know, I, I look at it like, look, I grew up, listening to those performances on uh you know btas um <laughs> that's right that uh that, that i'm i'm no different it's like well that's that's a version of batman that that i think of right you know it's like that's that's what i conjure up it's like that's and in my mind i'm not going okay do your best kevin do your best kevin do your best kevin it's like no if i'm doing that then i'm not doing a service to how i would i'm not connected to the role at that point i'm connected to me trying to impersonate somebody absolutely but, but I, I think it's just because of you know that's what that's what kevin established in that role and it's like yeah that just makes perfectly good sense it's like we would stick with that not an impression of it not trying to do it directly because otherwise right. just let kevin do it kind of thing but i think you know he's established that that's where this this voice goes and we got michael antonakis um that uh, is God. I hope I just did not just butcher his last name. I think it's Antonakis. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, and he and I have done uh, not together, but we uh, we just did a convention together. But um, he's been announced as uh, as the voice in uh, the upcoming Batman game. At least God, I hope he has. Correct me on the. I have to cut this. I'll off. check and but, see uh, if yeah. I'll check yeah, and double see. check. No, no I, worries. I, I no worries. Believe he was already announced as that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that and he has a very rich uh, low register voice already, and it's just like. Yeah, he's perfect for it. It's like you hear that and you go, yeah, that that's good. I mean, it's like if, if all of a sudden, you know, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'd like to introduce the newest voice of, uh, of Batman, Mr. Wallace Shawn. <laughs> Inconceivable. Like, exactly. It's like, no, I don't don't think that's it's like, you know, unless it was an absolute slapstick comedy and that would be brilliant. I would. And I know Wallace would kill it. <laughs> right. But um yeah, so you just you, you hear stuff like that and you go, okay. Yeah. So for me, it, like to I, I would never do Batman like I'm like I am right now unless they said, well, we want Batman to sound much younger. So if I was to use my natural register, that'd be great. But to me, you know, Batman is he's brooding. He's right. always low, and it's like you know, it's like to me, that's just that's that's where you go. Yeah, he's just dark. He's the Dark Knight. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like I don't think it sounds good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Joker. It's over, Joker. Like it's not gonna, it's just not gonna work. Again, it's that same thing as the, you know, Red Skull. You know, I mean, it just yeah, doesn't exactly. work. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Avengers assemble. Yeah, exactly. Nah, no, just, no, I don't think they're going to. <laughs> you are not the first Avenger. No, nope. you're not even the last Avenger. <laughs> yeah, no. The only thing you're assembling is Legos. Yeah, there you go, nerd, nerd. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, what's, what I find interesting about a lot of these voice castings, when you talk about characters like, like for instance, what comes to mind is so many, even Bruce Greenwood and others they've used, Jason O'Mara, uh, mm-hmm. 
they all have a similar sound when they're doing it. And the same thing after Tim Daly did Superman or uh, TAS. Uh, <laughs> a lot of those guys like George Newbern and anyone who's followed to a large degree, they all have a similar sound. It's kind of interesting to yeah. see how it all kind Travis- of... Yeah, Travis Willingham uh, in Superman, like like hearing him uh, is is a heroic sound. I mean, he just sounds, you know, Americana. I mean, it's yeah. like it's and and it's like that's what I loved about Superman Red Sun is the idea that uh, the, the Elseworlds element of that of, of trying to say like, well, what if he didn't land in in was it Iowa? Wasn't it Iowa? Is that where he, uh, uh, Kansas, was Kansas, like? yeah. Kansas. Sorry, yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah, we're not in Iowa anymore. That's right. We're in Kansas. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's like, yeah, what if you landed in, you know, Soviet era Russia? Like, 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 think of that. It's like, oh, yeah. OK, that's an interesting idea. Like yeah. suddenly he would become a, a puppet, you know, propaganda piece. You know, it's like that's crazy. Oh, yeah. But you know what's funny about that is that if you and I, I could be wrong on this because I'm not great on geography. But at the opening of Superman, the movie, the Richard Donner movie. Mm-hmm. When the rocket is heading towards Earth, there's a bit where it looks like it's heading towards Russia, and then it swerves off. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it kind of curves left, I think, uh, if I remember Isn't correctly. That cool it, to find out that they were maybe even teased. When did the Elseworld script come out? Much I mean, later. That, <laughs> much okay, later then, that, then it wasn't so, yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Because if that was like a nod in the film to something like that, that would have been amazing. But yeah, no, the Elseworld thing was not all that long ago no exactly no this and the superman movie was 78 so yeah no uh, yeah yeah i know everybody knows that uh yeah. <laughs> but uh you know you also mentioned before something about doing these legacy characters and and i wonder i mean i guess this feeds right into that is there something cool in your mind about, and i know you don't go into it consciously thinking this but i wonder if there's something satisfying that you know that now that you are a part of batman captain america sonic this now goes on. It's like an actor who has played James Bond will always be an actor who played James Bond. Mm-hmm. Is it cool for you the fact that you are now part of these, again, you used the word legacy before, but that it will go on. And in history, pop culture history, you will always be associated with these things. That's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, and of course it, of course it's like, yeah, that's, that's, ins- I can't, I can never, I'm sure that one of the reasons why I found myself in this, industry and in this career is because I, I can't see myself as anything other than just, you know, the, the dork that I see looking back at me in the mirror kind of a thing. Right. Um, and so the idea that it's like, you get to be a part of something that's like that, that's that big is I've always used the word surreal, but it just is. It's like, I mean, I don't think much of it. In fact, I, you know, in fact, even just the recording process for Arkham Origins was challenging enough. We had these mic setups to where we were mic'd wearing this little baseball cap that, that was backwards that had a little tiny lav mic that basically sat in between our eyebrows and that's where they placed the microphone that but that for whatever reason would constantly have plosives like the p sounds that puh, puh, onto the mic right and so the majority of all of my lines of of uh, dialogue in arkham origins were delivered with me holding my finger over the the you know the, the front of my mouth to break up the wind so it was like even huh, that, you know, yeah. you're you're sort of in that moment kind of going, I am executing as a voice actor, a performance into a microphone that I need to be aware of while also trying to deliver a performance. There wasn't any real time to sit and wonder about a legacy in that way or being a part of or, you know, that kind of thing. You just hope you just hope that the fans receive it well. You hope that that you, that the client is pleased with your work. And I just try to focus and, and get real small and just start going, hey, you know, um, hmm, 
I think I'm just going to focus on on trying to listen to what the director says and and do the best I can with you know executing on on their requests, and that's the job. I mean, right. that, that is the job. All this other stuff can can a change in a blink of an eye, and you know it, it, it's I've I've said very often that it's kind of like you you birth out a vocal baby and you hand it to somebody and and. Once they've got the, the the vocal baby, they can do all sorts of different things to it that can very much alter the performance and the, you know, you might have had some timing that you did for a joke that they shorten or lengthen and it kills the timing of the joke and therefore the joke doesn't work anymore. Like there's a lot of things that can happen that are beyond your control. Right. So you just, the only thing you can worry about is like go in, do what the director's asking and execute on that as best you can be as professional and ready to go as possible. Like, you know, try to leave the outside world behind as often as possible. Um, and just do the job and then wait and see when it comes out. You just hope that it's going to be received well. And I'm usually super pessimistic before a project comes out because I'm just trying to, I think I'd rather be like, ah, eh, well, there you go. You know, right. Prepare than, yourself in case it goes yeah. south. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also working real hard on trying to no longer do that. I'm, I'm trying to just look at, you know, it's, and it's, it's gotten much easier as I've gotten this far into my career to kind of look back and kind of go, wow, you know, you know, if it was to change tomorrow, man, it's not like you're, you're going to look back on this and go, if only I would have done something in that business. It's like, right. I cannot believe like when people ask, like, you know, is there a role that you haven't gotten to play that you always wanted to? I'm like, no, I've literally, it's like the next one. I, I love the original roles that people are creating out there that are funny and that are challenging, you know, that might force me to kind of come up with a new voice. I've never thought about trying before that kind of thing, but no, I've already, I've already lightning has struck way too many times in my career. So, you know, it, it's the idea that you get to be a part of these legacy characters and that I've done it on a number of different franchises and that with certain things we've created new legacy characters, like with apex, it's just exploded in popularity and the, the fan base loves these characters. And it's like, you know, it's like I'm a voice in a, in a large cast, uh, with tremendous writing and all that. So it's like, it, that's the stuff that I always think about. It's like, it's an honor to be a part of like a well executed production more so than it is to like, think I've cemented my, my place. Yeah. You know, I, I, legacy is interesting to me cause it's like, yeah, it lives on in like Wikipedia, but really and truly it's like your friends and people that you've had interactions with that have experienced you and have known you throughout the years and have seen you at your best and seen you at your worst and seen you grow and learn and do all that stuff. Like that's, that's more a legacy than anything else. It's like everything else is like a footnote. An admirable sentiment, Roger, but somehow we suspect there are a whole lot of fans out there who will view your work as much more than a footnote in pop culture history. For additional episodes of Voices from Krypton or our classic TV podcast, TV Retrovision, please head over to VoicesFromKrypton.net. We'd also appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star review, and tell your friends about us. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.